Hello, thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Wise Content Creates Wealth. You've heard that content is king. Well, wise content, content rules the world. Wise content is data intelligence driven storytelling content created for promotional purposes. It is the heart of modern marketing. And without it, digital marketers will fall behind their competition, lose connectivity with their customers, and ultimately fail at being profitable. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, and I'm a marketing technology expert. I'm also an award-winning content producer who has created incredibly detailed, high-quality articles and, and books. Additionally, I lead content teams that produce thousands of pieces of SEO content a month for Fortune 500 companies. My company is Galileo Tech Media, which executes on creating wise content and marketing campaigns. Galileo was created out of a desire to get away from the drudgery of daily marketing by creating content that we sent out of the world to find an audience and bring back sales and leads for months and sometimes years. We have created content that doubled sales for a hotel within a month. We have sent a single tweet out that generated 50,000 subscriptions within an hour. We have made videos that go viral and cause giant corporations to change policies with a single email. Read more about us at GalileoTechMedia.com and sign up for our newsletter where we will keep you in the know about wise content. Now, today we're going to talk about mythology and storytelling. You know, I love reading great stories in business books. I came across one from Exploiting Chaos by Jeremy Gutsche. It, it refers to the fact that Procter & Gamble was failing miserably in Japan and had lost hundreds of millions of dollars. But then things turned around when it launched an incredibly profitable advertising campaign for SK2, a premium skin cream. Here's the, the storyline of the ads. The fascinating story behind SK2 began as a sake brewery in Japan, where scientists noticed the elderly workers had wrinkled faces, but extraordinarily soft and youthful hands. These hands were in constant content, contact with the sake fermentation process. It took years of research for scientists to isolate the miracle ingredient, patera, a naturally occurring liquid from yeast fermentation process. Based upon this advertising campaign, SK2 became an enormously successful product, generating 150 million in sales by 1999. I am, I, am, I am fascinated by this type of success based upon a creation story. I under, love to understand why it works and use it for my projects. There's lots of stories and different kinds of stories in content and in marketing and in business. And to understand it better and, and the mythology stories, I always turn to my friend, Lee Maylander. Hello, Lee. Hey, Joseph. How are you? So... Uh, uh, Lee has a, a doctorate in cultural mythology and psychology and has a background in writing in the performing arts, marketing, and strengthening communities nationally and internationally. She is the founder and head formenter at Spillian, a place to rebel, her regenerative center for imagination, creativity, and the Catskills in New York. So that's where we met, didn't we? That sure is. Our first yeah. year we were open, actually. Yeah. First event we did. 2014, you were on the board of the Joseph Campbell Foundation, yep. uh, and you had, the, I guess, the first Joseph Campbell Hero's Journey workshop at 
Spillian in East Coast, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, that was a transformative experience for me, let me just say. You know, I my 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 wife had just recently died, you know, like six or seven months before. I was struggling with who I am, whatever. And I went to that workshop and it really um opened me up a lot about, you know, life and the mythology of the life. And one of the important things is we had a, we were supposed to have a, we had a mock funeral for something we wanted to say goodbye to. And I actually said goodbye to the identity of Joseph and my wife, Donna, Donna was her name, Donna McElroy, because that had been an identity of Joseph and Donna McElroy. I had been living for, you know, 20 some years. And now that don't, that identity no longer exists. So I'd said goodbye to her at a funeral for her. You know, I'd done all sorts of things, you know, in terms of memorializing her, but I had not taken care of that identity of who I was and said goodbye. And, and understanding that mythology was very important for me. Yeah, it's yeah. it's huge. And I think it it lays people open in ways they don't anticipate. Mm -hmm. And I now I, uh, so you were with you were with that you were with the Joseph Campbell Summer Foundation for a number of years, right? Yes. Yep. And I still actually write for them. And I have uh, the podcast that I do is on their on their uh, podcast uh, channel. So I we're still we're still connected. I just I was at a point where I had just opened this business billion in the mountains and was trying to juggle that and life and all of it. And I thought I can't do all these pieces. So I, I thought I don't need to be a decision maker for the organization anymore. I just want to go think about this. <laughs> well, you, got it. you got it. You got it launched. You know, yeah. I also I'm also very fond of Spillian because, you know, my first trip with Simone was to Spillian, yeah. who's my wife now. Uh, and then, the, and then I have, we have twin babies now three year old. Their first trip was to Spillian. So Spillian has been the part of my creation story of my new life. <laughs> it's, in your, it's in your DNA, man. It is. Yeah, it's a place yeah. that doesn't. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. So I was looking at your LinkedIn and, and what you said, and you, I didn't know that you had been an expert on a history channel uh, series. Yes. Right? Yep. What yep. was that about? The, they, it was called True Monsters, um, and they were looking for, I was one of a number of voices talking about sort of stories, big mythic stories around monsters and hauntings and scary bits all throughout the U.S. Uh, and part of what was really interesting to me about that show is it was it was great. It was a production company in Santa um, uh, St. Paul in Minnesota that was doing it for the History Channel. And it was fun, and the production value was, was great. But they kept saying, well, is the t story true? Is it real? And I was frustrating to them because I kept saying, not the point. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, yeah. The, the, for me, that's what myth sits in this place. The ancient Greeks used to talk about how myth was the thing that was simultaneously most and least true. Mm. And so they weren't necessarily talking about literal truth necessarily, but they were talking about sort of an insight metaphorically into stuff that matters, which is why I think this so connects into content marketing. Right. When, when we're weaving origin stories, and I loved the story about the yeast and Procter and & Gamble, and Spillian actually was built by the Fleischmann's yeast family. So we have a yeast origin story there as well. <laughs> actually, the Fleischmann's actually spent a bunch of years touting the, 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 the health advantages of yeast to the point where they got into some, some trouble because they went a little overboard. But, but you know, Japan is far yeast. Where's my drum kit, man? <laughs> anyway, I need a hi hat. I had to get that in there. <laughs> so yeah, then I, and I think the 
part of what I think all of us struggle with when we're when we're building content is sort of where is this the story sit right where does the truth lie in the story because there's got to be some truth if it's just bs right right it's not it doesn't it's, it's not ethical it, it, it's got to have an element yeah it's like in essence you know, right? when, my my i've always been a big talker and i've made business by being a talker and you know and i can i, I say i've never lied about anything i've ever said but i might have exaggerated a little bit. <laughs> right, the old the old line: "Never let the facts get in the way of a good story." Or, or made or made made it dramatic or whatever, right? Yeah. But it's always yeah. got the, the essence of the truth there, right? Yeah. So I, I I understand what you're saying there. Now you also have a podcast, Myth America. What, what yeah. is that? You mentioned it was on the is it on the on the Joseph Campbell Foundation uh, um, their channel, and it's on a variety of uh, Apple and various other uh, locations. And it's actually been quiet over this last year. That the I used to do it as a radio show. I was doing it at a as an NPR uh, affiliate for four years, um, and then took a break, and then started last winter. And then my husband actually had a stroke and it like trying to get him back online and this business back online after being closed for a year with the pandemic. Mm. I just actually, you should know that this doing this with you just kicked me into gear and I just recorded one last night. So I'm all right. Fabulous. So see, you've, you, you've done it again. Joseph has this magic sparkling energy and Myth <laughs> America is really, it's kind of, it's, it's my riff. Occasionally I have guests, but more often than not, I'm just, I'll take an idea, kind of a concept that's sitting in American culture that we are working in that I think has mythic elements to it and just try to peel it open. And mm. the, to me, a lot of what myth is about or looking at myth is about is actually looking how to, to see into a story and start to pull it apart and understand kind of what's cooking in us, what's in, sitting in our psyches, what are we reaching for, what are we hungering for, what's it turning on or turning away. And mm. so uh, this show is very much about kind of Picking, and I'm all over the map. Sometimes it's political, sometimes it's cultural, sometimes it's things like I'll take an idea. Um, I've just been actually not jotting down notes about how um, we have a big story in American culture right now about being comfortable is sort of the thing that we want to do. And mm-hmm. so is that is that true, right? Is that really, you know, the, maybe there's maybe that's a story that we're telling ourselves that isn't um, necessarily as helpful as we, as we think it is. So the tagline for the show is the stories that we tell and the stories that tell us. Because mm-hmm. the idea is that we are uh, as shaped by the stories that we let in and that we we value and that we retell. So when you're being Joseph, the big man telling the big stories, that's making you as much as you're making the story, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of your identity as well. So we really, and I think one of the values of looking at myth in an analytical way is you have an opportunity to actually start to see where those stories are come from, coming from and, and, and decide if that's where you want them to come from. Like if that, if that's really what the story you want to be living into. I, I think that's, I think that's very cool. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, you talk about being the, uh, uh, the big story, but what, what, what happens when you're not there to be able to tell the big story. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the network networking has been dead in New York City, and I'm sure many places across the United States. How to network to find business and things like that. You find pod for me. I started the podcast as a way to push my big personality out there to try to generate um, uh, you know opportunities. Have you found that to be uh, successful for you in, the, in your podcast? 
Yeah, I, absolutely. It's it's really fun and intriguing to see the responses that people have. There was a week that I was the most popular podcast in New Zealand, which was very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? But yeah. yeah, there's something wonderful in doing radio too. There's something wonderful about sending it out there and speaking to people and just trusting that someone's going to hear it. There's something yeah. about that. Well, you know, in my conception of wise content, a, pop, a podcast is one of those pieces of content you send out in the world, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, see what comes back. Well, we're going to take a break, our first break. And uh, when we come back, we'll get, we'll dig further into uh, mythology and story making and content marketing. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Joseph Franklin McElroy back with uh, Wise Content Creates Wealth podcast and my guest Lee Maylander. So Lee, um, you know, um, you tell, I, I, you're telling me that uh, you, we were, we're, this podcast is causing dogs and cats to uh, wrestle each other. <laughs> so we're creating a new myth. We're creating a new myth that our, our, our podcast causes animals to uh, <laughs> engage play. in they do. play. <laughs> All about play, man. So, so um, yeah. Why does storytelling matter when we're creating content? Well, I think I think it's the key. You know, I think we human beings think in two ways. We think in images and we think in stories. And the closer we can get to keying into an image that has meaning and building a story around that, 
the closer we get to actually reaching out and touching people, right? You can, we can share facts and ex expository stuff and people's eyes glaze over. The minute you start telling a story, everything changes. And so it's, I think it, it is, it is the single most important way we communicate with each other in a general way. But I also think it's the most powerful tool that we can use as we're trying to tell the world about the work that we do and, and invite them in to see what matters. Right. Now you, um, you mentioned about, you know, it's important to have an element of truth in a myth, right? Mm -hmm. But can a, can, a, can a lie be a myth? So this is, and that's one of the fun things as a mythologist is that's what you see, you know, hear from people all the time, right? It's like, well, myths are lies. And we talk about that. Well, that's not the truth. That's a myth. And I think it's a real misunderstanding of what myth is. And I think it's a reflection actually of a culture that likes to think in really binary ways, right? Something's either true or not true or right or not right. And mm -hmm. so the, what I love about myth is that it sits in this kind of paradoxical way in the middle of that. And it's a little slippery. And the, what happens with that, I think, is that it opens things up and the, it invites you to think imaginally. It invites you to put yourself in, a, in, a, in one way or another into that story frame. So it, it's a very particular way of knowing, I think. And the, I think it, it sits, um, there's a lot of conversation about like the, the, the binary between mythos and thinking mythically and story-based and, and logos, thinking logically. Mm -hmm. I think there's actually a more inner twining than people think there are there but i think for me it's actually um a, a kind of third way to where you're because all of us when we're telling stories we're, we're always in we're always creating right we're always mm -hmm. and we every time you know if you have a story that you've told you tell it once and it's it's a story and then you tell the second time and you kind of note where you got responses and you know who where the energy came back to you right so right, you go, right. oh, okay we're doing subconsciously like, oh that works so then you play it and we work it a little bit again and so that's how it sort of expands and it doesn't mean that the story itself is as you said it's not a lie but it's also sitting in this place where you are amplifying what's working and i think the biggest piece is that you start to help people think metaphorically rather than literally. And I think when we're, to me, the, the biggest piece of this is that it's inviting people to, to have the feels, you know, like lo logic doesn't, at the, certainly in my business, I know you're in the hospitality business as well as in the tech business. Um, and I would be willing to bet Gal Gal Galileo tech is only this much about the technology and it's this much about how how people are made to feel when right. they're engaging with your clients right well you know it's it's interesting when you say that you know it's that you, when you're telling the story again and again you, you you're gauging the response right mm -hmm. so that it becomes better and more and more in tune you know online you you don't have a, a necessarily a, a audience feedback in the moment right? right and that's where you know that's why i was saying data intelligence is important Right. Because that's, because that's that's the feedback. Right. So right. in terms of the digital marketing world, what, you know, taking that concept and really using data to give you that feedback to refine and, 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 and develop the story further is really important. Hugely, right? Because, you know, and I, I, I am not nearly as scientific about this as you are, but I spend a lot of time. I'll throw stuff out and see see and sometimes it's as simple as how many likes you get on instagram you know mm -hmm. and the one of the sort of baselines is can this compete against the cat 
video means, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's the thing we're all up against, right? How can we actually compete with the cat pictures? But you can, it's all, it's really even, even, even without having the, the, the wealth of wisdom you have around this, I can play with a word placement and suddenly something has changed dramatically. And mm -hmm. so I will often sort of iterize, if that's a word, I'll, I'll kind of create new iterations of something. So I'm really doing exactly that kind of iterative storytelling in that process. And, and what happens, I think, is that when it works, you, the story may get bigger and broader and kind of more mythic and feel, but you're getting to the essence of what you're trying to communicate. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, the key here. And helping people find a way to connect with it emotionally. I think. I mean, I, I, you know, you know that. I, like I said, in hospitality, and one of the things that the, and what I do is something called memorable tourism experiences, right? And to you know, that's about emotional feedback, mm -hmm. you know, and it's about the, the experience people. So you know, uh, to uh, you know, uh, for a lot of businesses, and you know, and, and for a business like mine, I don't have a lot of time. You know, how do you, how, I figured out a way that you can actually gauge some of that simply, right? Um, and then is that, you know, when Google pulls stuff from your page to show it in search results, they will put the title that you put in the, uh, the page title tag in there and they'll put the meta description there, right? And if you play with the story in that meta description and the title, um, you can hit the highlights and then you can see the click-through rate. You can see yes. a click through. Google will tell you the click through rate for that page, and that will tell you um, how engaging and how interesting that is to the people. And then you can do tests with that over, you know, weeks, you know, and really keep refining. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good way to refine that approach to find well, out I, the emotional triggers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're we're doing um, in addition to the workshops and stuff that we produce, we ended up we're, we're doing a lot of weddings at Civilian, which was kind of something that n neither my husband or I anticipated, but it happened, and it's actually pretty cool. You know, we look at we're working really hard to to help people figure out what is meaningful in their lives and how they make meaning, and that's a big moment to do it. And it's been very interesting as we've entered into that sphere. That talk about you know the, uh, being about the feels right people are yearning for this very particular kind of emotional experience there and so we found that the more we go deep into the the kind of the essence of what we're dreaming we have a very particular way of doing weddings we, we co-create with people we don't we don't have a we're not a typical wedding venue at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're looking for a very particular kind of client. You know, we're looking for people that are creative, that want to co-create something that's theirs, that are really interested in going down into kind of deep into who they are together and not necessarily being caught by what the industry says you should think is important, um, but instead really kind of peeling that out and saying, what is it that we want? Who is it that we want are, are together? And how do we want to mark that? Not just as this kind of big celebration, but really as a launch pad. And as we started to figure that out and then started how to, how to figure out how to tell the, that story about how we came at it and how it reflects who we are and what, what Spillian is as a place and what its big kind of heart mission is, that has allowed us to then connect into the people who are working their own stories in a way that connects. There's a kind of sympathetic resonance that happens. Mm. And I think... And I think your your example of of you know the headline and the meta description, you know, if we say the best wedding venue in the Catskills, who cares, right? There's, right. No, there's no story in that. If we say 
you know, come and, and, and find yourself and your soul. And here's why, you know, like it starts to, it starts to open something up. And as we start to open part of the gift of what we have is a, there's a lot of story embedded in the place it's filling. It's a historic property that's had all sorts of cool stuff happen. There's a lot of particular energy there, as you know, because you've been there. Mm-hmm. And so the better we are at telling that and, and reaching out with that, that's then the people that are are going to resonate with that find us, mm-hmm. uh, which is really interesting. You know, and it, and I, I remember there was a moment that I, when we first put our website up, I was trying to figure out, you know, we, we were starting this thing from scratch and by you know we'll try this and we'll try that so i had this website that was very much about trying to be a little bit of everything for everybody and about a year and a half in in fact actually some of the conversations after some of the conversations i had with you um it occurred to me that i needed to put it out there and really clearly tell the story that i thought mattered about that place and our business doubled within two months yeah if you do the right stories and and it's, it's really important to understand your business because you know, so, some businesses are mostly just price sensitive, right? You got to be the, the, the cheapest the dental floss out there. You know, right. though you got to make sure people believe that it works. So there's a little bit of storytelling there. But, but you know, in terms of like hospitality, I think the creation stories of the of the of the this place itself and its um, and its uh, pro, you know products and services is important. You know, um, what is you know. We talk about stories, we talk about myths. What's the difference between myths and stories? Well, in some ways, they're the same thing. And I think in other ways, a myth starts to get into something that is bigger and grander and broader than the kind of one-off stories that we tell each other. You know, there's, there's the, oh, honey, I was at the grocery store today and this happened. That's very different than a story that starts to become mythic in its scope. And one of the pieces I think is that it begins to connect into some very particular ways that human beings process things. Um, Carl Jung, who was one of the psychologists that really started looking at myth in this way, uh, talks about something he calls the collective unconscious, which is um, it, it's an idea that not all psychologists buy into, but I think there's some, again, I think there's some truth here that the, we have certain things that are big tropes in our lives that we want and that we desire or that we're afraid of. Or it, And so when a story starts to become mythic, when it starts to work that in a way that feels bigger than just the immediacy of my own life. And there's a lot of, you know, it, it, a lot of people think myth and they either think lie or they think, oh, those Greek and Roman gods, right? Like those are the mm-hmm. options. Or if you're of another culture, African gods or whatever. But the what I'm interested in is how myth sits in our culture now and what are the big stories that we're sitting in. So uh, one of my uh, grad school uh, faculty members, one of my buddies there, uh, uh, a guy named David Miller, who was a, a, a man taught many years at Syracuse before he came to where I got my doctorate. David used to talk about how myths are the television programs running in the background for us. So it's kind of the stuff that we sit in and we aren't even necessarily even aware that they're there. So if you think about big American cultural myths, there's the, you know, kind of the self-made man myth, right? Like there's an independence myth. We've got myths about how, what it means to be patriotic. We've got myths about what it means to be successful. And it doesn't mean that they're lies, but they're sitting in a, a kind of complexity in the background how we make all sorts of decisions. And I think where this relates to companies that are trying to figure out how to talk to the world, 
there are a whole lot of company assumptions. There's, there's sort of deep identity essence mythologies that are sitting in any organization about what you value and how you come at the world and what matters to you and how you make decisions. And that all kind of sits in the background. And I think we are increasingly, you know, audiences are, are, are we are barraged with information, right? In, in a way that we, as human beings, we never have been before. And part of, I think, what it takes to cut through that is to start to try to peel back those layers and, and connect in this way that, that people say, I resonate with you. you know, mm-hmm. Spillian connected in part because of that amazing experience with Bob Walter and Joseph Campbell Foundation. But the place did beyond that, right? Like it, the. But itself, it had, a, it had its own mythology, which is it great. It does. Yeah. It well, does. I wanna, uh, I have to, we have to take a break now. And I want to talk more about that mythology when we come back uh, of Spillian and some of the other things that you have to talk about. Cool. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauber, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Wise Content Creates Wealth podcast. And my guest, Lee Maylander. So, Lee, um, you know, uh, you talked about the mythos and logos uh, briefly before. How, do, how, how would they shape how we talk to customers? So I think if you're gonna if you're gonna use that as sort of a big set of buckets, I think logos is the moment that you're talking information, you're talking data, you're talking, so let's use hospitality. We have eight bedrooms, checkout time is at 11. Here's the rate, here's the cost. Like it's, it's very, and, and that's important to have, right? Because if, if people can't land mm-hmm. you can all the grand ideas in the world, but if they don't know what the specifics are. So it's really the kind of operational details, I think in some ways, 
Um, and, and a kind of clarity of thinking of how you are um, presenting your professionalism, I think, because that's part of what people are looking for too, right? They, if they're mm. going to invest money or time or resources in you, they want to make sure that it's going to be what you're promising. So there, right. there's a role for that, right? If we get too, too woo-woo-y, woo-woo, woo-woo-y <laughs> I'm making up words today. Um, yeah. But if we get too far out there and we don't remember that, that sort of structural piece, then we're going to turn people off as well. And I think the mythos part then starts to be, that's where the psyche comes in, right? That's where the, this sort of intuitive connection that people have. I was just listening to your promo for the Smoky Mountains podcast that you're doing and listening to that language, right? It's keying into things that people are yearning for and, and they have particular images about. You know, and so, and that, that's, that's a beautiful little tasty little bit of mythos just in that promo Um, because, and it's mostly, I think about just inviting people in They're, 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 um, they're, I talk a lot about, I used to do a lot of marketing writing and I used to talk about how the best marketing writing was like a haiku. (laughs) It isn't isn't Moby Dick, right? We don't want to read 400 pages. We want it to be cooked down and really evocative and invite us in. And so, and I think maybe part of it is that, that that's the, to think about mythos in that way in storytelling and content, you're inviting people in. And then part of what you're presenting to them once you're talking to them is the logos of how it works and Mm -hmm. why they should trust you to come and get whatever that they're looking for from them, from you. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because, you know, I've, uh, you know, the preciseness of language has always been important to me and, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the, the content is, you know, it was important to be precise, but an interesting thing has happened since we uh, went to the bank with Google is the, you know, now content has become not only about, you know, conveying the message, but also appealing to algorithmic spiders and things like that. So that you can get uh, it placed so that so that changes the, the equation a little bit, you know, to actually have a little bit more long form. So it's, I think that'd be a challenge, right, to try to tell the story concisely and appealing to the emotion yet at the same time filling it out. So the algorithm thinks that you're an expert on this particular thing. Right. And yeah. how many times you've used the same word, which, you know, in writing class, you're told, don't do that. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um yeah, there's some things that, uh, you know, um, that are important, you know, um, for example, you, you talk about modern cultural myths, right? And I, I sometimes call the zeitgeist, what is the, how does your marketing fit within the, the stories and myths of what's going on in the culture now? Because it's critically important, right? I think it really is, you know, and we, we actually talk a lot about this at Spillion and the, the what I think the pandemic actually has been an amazing opportunity to learn about what's what's cooking in for people um, in that way that the because we we've as much as we've been wearing masks, our masks have slipped like the thing we're, we're making really clear decisions about what we value. So part of what we talk about and look at a lot at Spillion is what is it that people are hungering for? If they're hungering for a workshop experience or they're hungering for a wedding and how do we how do we invite them into what we think is important, but in a way that is relevant to them, you know, because mm-hmm. marketing writing only helps, it doesn't help if you only tell your story and you're so caught up in your own story, you're not aware of who the audience is. You always have to be sort of stepping out and looking back in at yourself and thinking about 
what is it people are are wanting and what is it you know t- people talk a lot about what's the pain point that you're answering right in, in good marketing mm-hmm. and i i don't like characterizing it that way at least for the kinds of work that i do because i i don't i'd rather it be more generative than that but the but that you know there is some truth to that we had a, a, just a few days ago actually we had this really cute young guy call us and was talking to my husband about spilling and he said you know i've been in the hunger games of wedding venues <laughs> <laughs> oh thank god i found you because we're, we're not predatory and it the that again first of all what a fabulous kind of marvelous image like we knew exactly what he was talking about and how painful it was so he was he was responding to a pain point but the um so i think it's always this dance between what is it we value and then how does that connect out to the rest of the world and what what is the zeitgeist and one of the things i think that's changed in the pandemic era is people are crafting their lives in a different way, right? We had this Mm. weird moment of being cryogenically frozen, most of us for at least a year and couldn't go anywhere. And so suddenly we, you know, we're making sourdough and we're planting tomatoes and now we're all playing Wordle. But the, the, the underneath that, I think there's been an opening of what is it that I really want my life to be? And how can I be an active participant in that Mm. and not just feel like I have to respond to what's being offered to me? Well, I, you know, we, you know, it's interesting, you know, you talk about that, and I think people have been crafting that, but they've also become much more aware of, of the tribe they belong to. Yes. I mean, we've always been, uh, you know, you talk about polarized, but we're not polarized. It's not two opposites. It's multiple uh, viewpoints in life, right, that cross yeah. over. You know, you look at people that are anti-vaccine. You got people that are on the far right that are talking about freedom, and then the far left, right, because they feel like it's uh, violating their body or it's dangerous, whatever. But they they form a tribe around vaccination, though everything else about uh, what they believe in is really uh, a polar opposite. Radically different. Yeah. So it's not you know, so it's not just it's not polarization. It's tribalism that we have. You know, and so I'm, I talk about. In, in this context with the modern myths that you have to pick the myths that are going to work for the tribes that best fit at your place. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And, you know, yeah. I, uh, you know, as an example, I did an anti, I did a vaccine mandate at my place, the my large motel. And, you know, I knew it was going to be problematic, but it was more probably than I expected is 90% of the staff quit because it is in a, an area that, you know, Sitting is, in a different, a different area. in an area. So yep. I was, I was in force face, face in trouble, and I actually had to clean rooms and do everything myself, right? Oh, oh yeah. So I got, I reached out to the local paper. They did a story. Then it got picked up by the, the national press, by the Charlotte Observer, front page news there. It went all over the country. I got lots of interesting uh, responses and and even some threats. But I also got a tribe. People from all over started reaching out. And that's where we went from, you know, uh, you know, like a maybe a ten percent growth in a, a per month, but, you know, just pandemic related, you know, because the people coming to the mountains, we went to one hundred and fifty percent growth, right? Because we totally identified the tribe, right? And you, would, and you and you told the story, right? And, and told then, the story, yeah. The story. So, I actually saw that article; it was amazing. Yeah, There's so. a picture of Joseph with a with a, a vacuum or something. You know, <laughs> I feel your yeah. pain, man. I know, right? You've been there. Yeah. Oh, been there. Yep, been there. Yeah. So you know, when you when we were ta- when I went to the Joseph Campbell's Foundation, you talked a lot. Uh, uh, you know that that thing you talked, and, and and there was a lot of talk about archetypes. 
Yes. Uh, can you tell our audience what that is and how they figure into creating content? So I think archetypes are um, another concept that that uh, Carl Jung didn't invent, but sort of focused on, and it, it reflects sort of what I was talking about earlier in terms of what are those big things that we all hunger for, and so they're um, they're images or ideas that hold a certain kind of energy or truth. I'm being really vague, so I'm going to give you an example. The um, simple, obvious one, you know, the archetype of mother, right? Big one. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got one. Everybody's got feelings about mom. There's a lot of, of layers in it. And, and the, one of the things that I think is really cool about archetypes is that they're big and they're rich and they're deep. So they're, they're everywhere, but people can come at them very differently. And so if you look through, there are lots of them sort of going back to what you were talking about in the promo for your Smoky Mountains talk. You know, mountains are, being in the mountains is a kind of archetypal experience, right? And, and that's what people were reaching for there. And so if you look at, if you look across the board, your days are filled with connecting with these big things, a sense of home, a sense of what, you know, what, what comfort is, to go back to what I was talking about before, um, what, you know, the, the, uh, anything that sort of moves you emotionally in a way that is, as you look at it, you think, oh yeah, like we all have a version of this. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they're, they're big and what they, how they can be useful. I think in, when you're building content marketing is that it's a way to go into how people are, what they're hungering for um, because it's, we're all feeling it. So when you're, when you're, you know, so going back to your conversation about or the, your, your mention of the tribe of, of coming out at, at Meadowlark and saying, got to wear the masks and then finding this tribe, what you found, there people found a particular sort of archetypal energy in that connection with you in, in, in how you take care of people, for example, or, you know, what, what your sense of of how the world should work in community. So sort of an, an archetype around community versus somebody who may be vehemently anti-vax who's more motivated by an archetype around what they perceive of as freedom or liberty. Um, and and sometimes they can intertwine. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, I, I, I you know, I, I see it. You know, it's, um, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've been studying lately memorable tourism experiences I mentioned and then, and they have a scale called the, the, the experience scale is all based upon emotions, which is hedonism, knowledge, refreshment, local culture, you know, these things. In fact, we just did a, um, is it, we just did a podcast on Gateway to the Smokies uh, about comfort in the Smokies. All right. <laughs> I'm fine, man. I love it. I love which it. Is based, which is based upon hedonism, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so uh, hedonism would be an archetype uh, sort of a generic archetype and then you know things like you know comfort or lots of food or drink or you know would yeah, be you these can, sort of you can go in so so an image for that coming out of greek mythology would be dionysus right the right yeah all of the wine and all of the all of the stuff um and all of this life force and a kind of chaotic life force you know, you didn't trust Dionysus and his followers and his just right. tribe. They were really fun, but they were not the people you needed to bring you to the airport, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna, we got to take our final break and come back. We'll finish up talking about, you know, some of the things you're doing these days. All right. 
Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the uh, Wise Content Creates Wealth podcast and my guest, Lee May Lander. So Lee, not a lot of time, but you have a lot going on. So I want to hit the highlights. Cool. Now we've talked about spilling a lot, but, but um, it is, I know it's a mission-driven company. Can you, can you just tell what that mission is and how do you bring it into life? Yeah. So it's about, it's, it's a place about imagination and possibility. Uh, and it's, uh, we are really driven by wanting to feel abundant about that and helping people find their way into abundance about imagining that our, our tagline is about imagining past what you think is possible. There's a, a line from a philosopher we use a lot called, uh, uh, his name is Gaston Bachelard, he's a French, Frenchman, uh, that imagination is, is the voyage into the land of the infinite. And so we're really trying to take that energy and land it in place in a particular way and hold the responsibility that we have to the place in the community and to the folks that are there and help people find this sort of creative, imaginative abundance with whatever they're doing. So we try to really live that every moment that we possibly can in every decision we make. You do some wonderful workshops and retreats. I went to a fly fishing one and you have a, you have like what you call the Imaginal Institute that do the, does these events, but you, you bring uh, history and myth into the workshops. It's not just how you execute putting a, uh, fly in the water it was uh you know yeah. the, uh, the mythology of flies the history of you know storytelling as uh, part of it. storytelling right? tall yeah, tales called trout, trout tales yeah. yep yep because it's all yeah. about it's all about how big the fish was in, in fact it's inspired me i'm trying to put together one we're trying to put together one in uh, april in, uh, oh, excellent. in uh in the metal arc too i'll have to talk to you more about that right sure. yeah but uh so what are some things coming up with you guys in this building well, you know, we actually, um, we have a, a, 
mostly right now we're doing weddings. We're playing catch up. Um, so we're, we're kind of retooling a little bit. We were doing these mythic weekends and I'm trying to get more disciplined about kind of landing in the stuff that really speaks to me. Cause I can get really excited. I, I'm the queen of the jangly keys. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's exciting. <laughs> um, so this year we're kind of retooling that a little bit and really thinking about going deep. I've got a workshop that I just did actually a couple weeks ago um uh on women and dragons and finding dragon as an archetype for women to kind of lean into that's a different way of feeling um like you're being a good girl um tired being a good girl so (laughs) we're playing with ideas like that and are uh, looking to see how that kind of reinvents itself over this next year as we're as we're re as we're catching up with a whole lot of people who are really sad about having to cancel their wedding postpone their wedding so well you've got a workshop coming out right I've got, yeah, I'm doing actually online and I'm doing uh, with uh, an organization called the Young Platform, um, which is at youngplatform.com. And um, I think it starts, uh, you can uh, start um, registering on February 19th. And it's really an extension of the conversation that we're having in a lot of ways. It's a, uh, why is it's called Living Living Mythically, and which is a title that I was a little crunchy with because I, I, I think it can be one of the challenges about working with myths is it's deep and it's complicated and it isn't about you. It, it's like, it's, it's coming in towards you rather than out as much as anything else. And so people can get caught up in kind of feeling like, Oh, I'm so mythic. And I think that's the wrong move, but it's, so it's, it's me being opinionated about what myth does and, and how, how it can really affect us and impact us. And I think um, there's a bunch of ideas about how to really sort of climb in and learn to see it. Once you start to see it and start to have those tools, you start to see it everywhere. And I think it actually can change how you talk and communicate in some kind of cool ways. Cool. And, yeah. Well, I mean, you should do a workshop together on uh, content marketing and then, and then bring in mythology and stuff. Yeah, let's do it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that'd be fun. So you have a book, right? I do. I do. And this is, it's called uh, Psyche's Choice, The Frivolous Rebellion. Um, it came out of actually my my doctoral dissertation. And it's about, again, it's about creativity. And I, I was working ideas around frivolity um, as being some, being walking in the world in a way that doesn't mean you're totally connected to outcome. It's kind of a, an anti-capitalist move in some ways. It's a rebellious move, um, a little one, little tiny rebellion. And basic premise was that we can open imagination if we stop being so caught up in where we need to land. Right, we can be so outcome driven in this culture that we end up losing the journey because we're so stuck in the stuff. So, there's a, a version of the psyche and Eros story. And psyche was, um, you know, in, in the Greek mythology, um, really a, a, an archetypal reflection of the human psyche, who in the story falls in love with the archetype of love itself, which is pretty cool. And in my version of the story, she gets what she wants when she stops doing what everybody else wants her to do and becomes frivolous and a little rebellious. So it's a it's a book kind of exploring that and and again trying to find help way help people find ways to break open imagination in ways that they hadn't necessarily thought about before. And where can they get that book? They can get it on Amazon right now. It's a an ebook. Um, if you are on Kindle Prime, you can actually uh, get it for free. Um, and it's in the next month or so, I think, uh, maybe two months, uh, it'll be coming out in print also from Amazon. I'll be, are you doing the print on demand from um, Amazon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, kind of cool. yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. an easy way to do it. And it's it's a way, what I love about it actually is a, as a writer is I can play with stuff and I can 
tweak it and not make a huge commitment into a huge print run of a, of a book and really kind of, again, this is actually what we were talking about before about creating the iterations of the story. I can see how it works. And I can go back and I can, I can tweak it and I can, I can make it better. Um, so it becomes a very fluid way of publishing, which is kind of fun. There's a lot of, actually a lot of books that are kind of lined up um, over this next year or so coming out of, out of that effort, which is exciting. Fabulous. Well, you know, I look forward to being able to come up to your, uh, when you open up and have guests again, uh, that, that would be great. I'll, look, keep, I'll keep track of that. Yeah. But for people wanting to do very creative weddings, how would they find out more about Spillian and um, what you guys do? Easy to go, easy to find us on Spillian.com. Spillian is S-P-I-L-L-I-A-N.com. It's a word that means to play or to jest or to revel. So it's about coming and having a deep, playful, reveling, rebellious, wonderful time. And how do they find out more about you and connect with you and if they want to you communicate can find, with you? Find me either on leemalander.com and it's Lee, L-E-I-G-H-M-E-L-A-N-D-E-R.com or mythamericaradio.com. So I, I watch all three of those places. Would love, cool. love to chat. Did anything spark for you here? I'd love to hear from you. Sure. And you do workshops for companies and things like that, right? So yep. Yep. So we will, on. again, sort of in next year, we're, we're, we're up to our eyeballs right now doing a wedding game this year, but the next year we're hoping to be doing some more of that again. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh. Is there anything else you want to uh, let our audience know about? Uh, I think I think we covered it. You drive the bus really well, Mr. McElroy. It's really <laughs> nice to see your face, man. I've missed you. Oh, yeah. Well, we have to get together as soon as we can, all right? Love it. So, love uh, it. That would yeah, be right. great. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. Thank you. So this has been the, uh, the Wise Content Creates Well podcast. We're on the talkradio.nyc network, um, we, uh, which is a network of live podcasts that happen daily. Um, and uh, they're very good shows. They range from business sh shows to self-help to travelogues to, uh, you know, to um, alternative health and a number of different things. Um, and I have another one on this network called Gateway to the Smokies. So that's on Tuesdays from uh, six to seven. And then this one is uh, Wise Content Creates Wealth. That's from uh, noon to one on Fridays. And you can find out more about this podcast by going to wisecontentcreateswealth.com or you can go to um, facebook.com slash wisecontentcreateswealth. Um, my company is Galileo Tech Media. You can go to Galileo. Uh, techmedia.com to find out more about uh, us as a company. Um, we, some, we employ some of the top consultants in the world who live and work across the globe, uh, allowing, allowing us to source the brightest and best strategists, technologists, copywriters, and, and general um, digital marketers. Uh, and we have a core principle of, uh, of work-life work balance uh, that allows our cons consultants to do the best work from anywhere in the world. Uh, and it's been a big, you know, it's been a, a big uh, benefit uh, for that working with our team that we've been doing this since 2014. Now that the pandemic hit, we've been very successful with large corporations and small, helping them continue in their content marketing. Um, and uh, we have some of the best travel writers in the world. Uh, and we specialize in some things called memorable tourism experiences, which should have a better uh, uh, readers intention um, and brand loyalty um, that is measurable to see. So thank you. I will see you next week on the same time in the same place. And uh, again, thank you, Lee. We'll talk to you later. My pleasure.
listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life hi i'm pat duckworth women's health strategist and host of the hot women rock radio show empowering women leaders at menopause join me every thursday at 10 a.m eastern time 3 p.m uk time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc.